Hello, and welcome to The Song Inside, the only songwriting podcast which explores the songs which bring us from darkness to light. We interview songwriters, we go deep. I'm your song goddess, Deidre Rodman Struck, and I'm really happy you're here. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Song Inside 2023 Season 2. <sighs> that is a big sigh from me. It's cold. I'm in New York, but I'm very warm in my soul today because I am talking to one of my oldest friends on the entire planet Earth, possibly other planets if he's an alien. We'll find out, I guess, about that. David B. Wilbur. Hello, David B. Wilbur. Hello to you, my friend. Hello, Hello David B. Wilbur. I am excited to be here. I'm well, so I'm not excited. Literally to be here, but I'm excited to be on, <laughs> on this call. I know we've. This is one we've tried this many times, and we have somehow found that we succeed if we just do it at the last minute spontaneously. Makes sense to me. Um, I would like to let people know that you are in the hospital right now. Can you tell people what's going on with you? This is not a defining, Dave. It's just to let people know where you are in your current day. I am literally sitting in a room in the hospital. I've been here for a couple of days now. Um, I'm doing a treatment called plasmapheresis, which is um, to cleanse my blood from an antibody that my immune system is producing, which is attacking my brain which is okay because I don't really use my brain that much. So I didn't think it was a big deal, but the doctors <laughs> apparently were like, no, you kind of need it. So I was like, fine. So I have to do uh, five, so five treatments. So I'm in here for 10 days. Wow. Um, yeah. You're looking good. I have to say he has this weird sort of thing plugged into his neck. So, Oh yeah. Right. It looks like a vampire, like a vampire attacked you. Um, in my jugular vein, which is kind of fun, right? There. Well, I thought of Dave for this um, season of the podcast, which is all about healing, music and healing, because I feel like, A, Dave helps heal many, many, many people through music, and we're going to talk about some of the things he does. But also, Dave, I feel like you've been a real part of my healing journey with music all the way back from when we were going to college together at BYU, Brigham Young University, back in the day, and you, I was sort of trying my hand at the jazz world, and and you came in with this band, Relatives, and we're writing these great songs, and I got to play with you, and I don't know. I just feel like you've always helped me see the world in a beautiful perspective. Well, that's that's kind of you to say. I'm glad to be part of your journey because you're an amazing musician, uh, somebody I respect thoroughly and and always have. Ever since, I mean, you were, what, 18, I think, when we got to know each other the first time? Yeah, that the sounds, very right. First that time. sounds right. Like a freshman. I remember the way that I met you was that you came up and introduced yourself and you said, Hi, I'm Dave Wilbur, and today you are God. And that means that everything good that happens today is you get to celebrate, but anything bad that happens is also your fault. And also, I like your hat. <laughs> and I was you, like, Who is this were person? <laughs> often the bearer of awesome hats. So yeah. you were like you were like a hipster before it was hip to be hip. Ah, you're so sweet because I was just teaching a classical piano lesson today over Zoom and I was thinking about my first classical college piano teacher, Dr. Shumway, who I just got a lovely Christmas card from. 
Um, and I remember before my first jury at that school, because I was kind of like, I was playing around with a little bit of goth and hipster and the new wave thing. And he's like, okay, yeah. so for your jury, do you own any makeup? Can you like do your hair? And I got so mad. I was like, if this is the kind of thing I'm going to be going into, then I'm going to quit because who cares if I'm wearing a dress? So I appreciate you complimenting my sense of style. Thank you. So, you know, you weren't wrong. Why should that matter? It should it should be 100% about how you play rather than It should, but we were also you... going to a religious university where gender stereotypes especially back then were completely the norm. Really? I know. Shocking. Shocking. I'm, I'm a little nonplussed. <laughs> um Dave, I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about your journey with music and as much as you feel about opening up about your journey with healing programs, whatever you want to talk about, up to you. Um, But I would love it if you could just sort of take us through how you got into music and how it's evolved over time. Okay. So I am an older person now. I'm 56 years old. Um, So when I was a kid, I grew up in this little teeny, teeny town called Pine Top Lakeside in Arizona. Um, And we had, we had an FM station, which was a big deal because FM is better quality, right? Shorter distance, but better quality. But all it played was like, I'm not lying when I say Sousa marches and easy listening. So it was like, like Sousa, how is Sousa marches easy listening how does that go together I, i'm just telling you it was the most bizarre damn thing in the history of what I, so anyway there was that which i never wanted to listen to of course my dad would just blare it when he got in the car and be like let's listen to some Sousa." um so but i had i'm the youngest of six kids and so i was inheriting a lot of their so, but both of my parents were really, really crazy musical. Um, my mom, and it, it, I think, was more than my dad. But my dad had a lovely singing voice, and he wrote a song on the piano. And so I saw my dad being creative, which is good as a, a male role model. But and my mom was insanely creative when it came to words, and she was a published poet. Um, not on a big level, but still, you know, that was a, for a woman in a small town. Uh, mom of six, she, she was just out there chasing it. And in good, God bless her. She was, they're both, my parents were awesome. Um, they both passed away. My mom just passed away uh, almost a year ago. So, um, so they were the kind of parents though, music meant so much to us that when we would pile into the car, they would, you know, there, if there was a radio station, they weren't going to be very good. So they'd make us sing, you know, you are my sunshine. Okay, everybody harmonize. And I was the youngest, so I got the worst harmony part. Right? That the fifth. <laughs> you got like, <laughs> you are my sunshine, yeah. my only I sunshine. <laughs> sevenths and shit. Like, uh, let me see if I can figure out where that lives. I I'll get the ninth. Um, when I was just, a, speaking of healing, though, um, when I was not quite two years old, my oldest sister died. She died in a car wreck. Um, and she was, from what everybody says, I don't remember, but she was just a firebrand, also a poet, um, smart as a whip. She was a class valedictorian, and she got in a car wreck, and it killed her when she was 17. I was just not quite two. Um, and so my parents, around the house anyway, they kind of stopped listening to music because there were so many songs that would remind them of my sister oh, Anne. that's so hard. But, 
Yeah. They, uh, they, you know, my mom had a really hard time with it and everything. Um, and so t- there were two things that I noticed though, that they could, that as a, as just a kid, as a three-year-old, I noticed if I could make them laugh, then they weren't hurting. Mm-hmm. And I noticed if I sang, then that brought them pleasure, joy, even. Uh, and if I could write a little song, that would meant the world to them. They just thought it was, I mean, you know, of course, their parents, they could have been shit on a stick. And they'd be like, <laughs> this is brilliant. This is oh, brilliant. But, but that's, I mean, that's so, a really, that's a really interesting perspective to think of, though, is, is sort of, there were certain songs that maybe were off limits, even if it was unspoken, because it would remind them of her. So create new music to put into the world that yeah. is a fresh perspective on everything. Yeah, because there's no baggage, as it were, that comes with a song your eight-year-old just wrote, you know? Right. Um so that was, I, and maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that's codependent on my part, but I've ever since then wanted to do things, uh, two things. I want to make people uh, laugh and I want to bring music into their lives, which will, will bring them that same joy that I saw it give my parents. And frankly, that it gives me. Right. That was going to be my I, next question is in, in a way it's, it's selfless and selfish both. And I think both are valid because we make music because it makes us happy and it makes other people happy. Right. Yeah. 100%. And I know from you, like part of, I don't know much about love languages, but I feel like one of your love languages is just helping people feel better. I know when yeah. I, whenever I was having a dark day at school, you're just so funny. You were always singing, you were making up funny voices and funny songs. And just, I, my most, sort of precious memories of us together are just us cracking up. I remember one time we were listening to, who was it we were listening to? The comedian. And we were on a oh, road trip. Oh, Dennis Miller? Dennis Miller. Yeah. Dennis we had to Miller. pull over to the yeah. side of the road because we oh, were laughing yeah. so hard that you couldn't drive anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> That was a great, great album. Oh, yeah. Well, I when, and when I think of you, I think of laughter and I think... I hope music gives you that back because you've gone through so much in your life. So let me, let me let you continue the story. Keep going. Well, there's not much to tell. I just, my family surrounded us with that new music as we'd get in the car again, we'd start singing and stuff. And my older siblings were listening to it. And I would just go, I remember going into where we had one of those old school 1970s hi-fis, you know, and I would just sit and listen. Whatever they were listening to, man, I would be listening to. Um, so, uh, and I listened to the radio every chance I got. There was a, uh, we could, at nighttime, we can get radio stations from like, what we call, I'm in the mountains of Arizona, so we, from the valley down in Phoenix and stuff. Um, <laughs> the big city. But they were still city. AM stations. Yeah, with the, well, it was a big city. But the next, there was a city called Snowflake, not too far from our town. They had a, an AM station, but all it played was pop. Like, and this is nineteen mid seventies, so pop, disco, you know, stuff like that. And so, a large part of my musical predilection, penchant, if you will, is that I love stuff that makes you groove. And you know what? I always noticed that if my body was wanting to move, I was happy. 
and I've learned as a bass player, especially if I can make the mu- the the people feel the groove, mm-hmm. that makes me that makes them happy, and it makes me happy to make them happy. right. Uh, I uh, can I cuss? Of course. On this? Okay. Well, so I, I got a uh, I got to hang out. It was almost it was a lesson pretty much. But Rocco Presti, the bassist for Tower of Power, once I saw him after a show, and they were there two days in Salt Lake City. And I said, hey, can I come grab a lesson from you? I know you're not, you know, doing anything tomorrow. And he goes, oh, no, I don't. He had that raspy voice. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't teach. But tell you what, you come and you will just hang out all fucking day if you want. Oh, my God. Bass t- <laughs> I brought a bass and I brought two little amps because he said, bring a bass, bring it Oh, my gosh. And we just hung out in his room playing and talking. And this Let this be a lesson to people. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Just ask. <laughs> Absolutely. And he was the kindest dude. You want to go down to lunch? And it's, I'm buying. Ah, oh, fuck that, man. I'll get paid for this gig. Okay. Wow. Right? So I went down, downstairs and hanging out with the band. It was just just the kindest guy clearly in love with the bass um and uh so i i I run a little music program where i teach private lessons and stuff now i like an official music school but um and so i said hey rock i'm going back to teach all these kids you know i'm having a hard time defining what the groove is do you you what do you think and he goes well so i'd probably say you know it's hard to say what the groove is but it's kind of like the wind, right? You can't see the fucking wind, man. It's just there. But you can see the effect the wind has, right? You can see the flag blow under the trees shaking. So it's like the fucking wind. You can, you, when it's there, you know it because people will be moving. Because here's the groove. If you ain't grooving, nobody's moving. You can tell you're grooving when the people are fucking moving. Like okay. Wow, that's it, I mean, what other definition do you need, honestly? If the people ain't moving, it's because you ain't fucking grooving. Is the yep. exact quote. Yep. So anyway, I, uh, maybe that's why I gravitated to to. I mean, I play the guitar and the keys a little bit, but maybe that's why I gravitated the to, to the bass because I, I've seen the impact of groovy music. No matter, it doesn't have to be like dance music necessarily. Yeah. But if you can slow down a solid groove, man, yeah, there's a magical almost build back to the concept of healing. I've watched people. I've watched. You know, I, we were counting with a student not too long ago. We figure I've done over 2,500 gigs at this point. Woo! That's a shit ton of gigs. That's right? a lot of gigs. Oh man! And so I've watched though people. I can you know you don't have to look at my hands anymore. I've watched people walk in to it club or to a corporate event and you know i'm watching people i'm the front man most of the time so i'm reading people and i can watch their shoulders start to drop after a minute whether they've had a drink or not and if you're grooving and you're literally putting your energy into that thing it hits them those sound Mm. waves hit them and their shoulders drop a little bit and after a song or two they're starting to kind of ease up a little bit and they start to smile a little bit um and i've had hundreds by now people come up afterwards like thank you you know i was in a shitty place mm-hmm. when i came in to hear you guys and now not so much i've never thought about groove that way as just the actual rhythm and the moving of the body is what's part of the whole healing thing and i think part of it especially with the groups that you play with so i'm going to let the listeners know that 
Dave not only runs a very successful rock school called Dave Wilbur's Rock Lab in Utah, but also has a karaoke band, and they were kind enough to come to my wedding and play a karaoke set at my wedding reception, which was freaking flamazing. They know gazillions of songs. And he also does other gigs of, you know, of his own, but plays weddings and these types of things. But I know so many people in New York who are, and probably not just New York, completely jaded. Like they've been weekend warriors forever. They've played a million weddings and they just can't wait to be done. They hate the people. Mm-hmm. And I know we all have our moments, but Dave, whenever I've played with you or been a, a party of, you know, seeing you do this, you show up in the moment and you are there for the people. You're like, hell yeah, we'll play that song for you. What do you want to hear? And you just, your energy is so open. Yeah. How do you do that? Um, I, I don't know. I, I think, I mean, uh, issues aside, I mean, I, I, <laughs> my, I, my, um, I don't know if I'm a, like an egotistical maniac or not, but on in on that one place in that one setting, um, I can kind of put aside what my needs are and address the needs of the person that I'm helping. And I really do look like it, it helped, especially that that karaoke band is such a. I mean, it's one thing to make people dance, but to give a person a, a, a um, an opportunity to fulfill a bucket list thing, mm-hmm. you know. And that's for a lot of people. They've never sung with a band before. They've sung with a machine, but they've never sung with a band. And all of a sudden, they get to go sing "Sweet Home Alabama." I'm going to pick that song deliberately because you'll see why in a second. But they get to sing that song, and for them, that's a brand new song. They've never had the opportunity before, and it's a wonderful, life changing almost experience. Mm. So for me, and for the other guys in the band, it's kind of the same thing. I've played that song way too many times in my life. I don't <laughs> love that song in the first place. But, but all of a sudden, when, I, when somebody new, especially, is singing that song, I don't know. It changes. All right. We're back to the listener. They didn't know that we went away, but we went away. We were gone. And now Dave has a, has a microphone, and he sounds even more professional than he did before. So I thought we'd start um, today, which is the day after the one yesterday when we started, by by drawing an affirmation card from this affirmators deck that I have, Dave. So you tell me when to stop. Just say stop and I'll pick one. No. No. And it says, impermanence. Life is always changing and I drift easily through those changes, good and bad. As I drift through hard times, I can take comfort in knowing that I will leave them behind. As I drift away from good times, I can take comfort in knowing that more will come my way. Impermanence is an equal opportunity non-entity. That's our affirmation for today. Impermanence. I feel affirmed. Yes, me too. So we left off yesterday. You were talking about karaoke band. You were talking about how it's kind of life-changing for people sometimes to come up on stage and, and sing. And I thought about you last night because I actually had um, a last-minute gig at this 
fancy producer's house that I play for occasionally. And sometimes I can get really jaded because at this particular party there were, it was the family, which was two, you know, mom and a dad and two kids, ages 10. And then they had invited four friends that are in the entertainment industry. And it was just the eight of them. Okay. Catered dinner party. I played for four hours. Were you just doing like wallpaper shit, you know? Yeah. um, Just in the background. Well, I never know when I go to these. We've come to calling that wallpaper. Yeah, totally. I was wallpaper. And it's funny because I've, you know, played with these people enough that I never know what kind of party it's going to be. It can be like 50 people and there's fancy people or it can be like the kids and it's a sing-along or I just never know. Um but four hours is is a long time if I if I'm not regularly doing it to be playing piano. Sure. And midway through, there's always a point where I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> like, I love it, but also when there's eight people, the dining room is a separate room, and then there's another room which is like there where the Christmas tree is. And so for a while, they were in that room, and I'm in like two or three rooms away, but I'm still playing. Yeah. And. I'm so grateful because it's a lot of money, but I was just having a moment of what am I do? I can't think of any more songs. I don't know what I'm doing. And I actually thought of our conversation about how whatever I'm doing, like this person hired me to make their evening better. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how my music is going to affect them because you never know, right? We're not inside people's minds. And so I took a little break and ate some food and then I was, I felt better after that. So you helped me. Well, thank you. I'm glad. So speaking to impermanence, right? The the affirmation thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the otherworldly, paranormal, ethereal, whatever you want to call it, there is there's a something about music, and it is the impermanence of live music. Mm. It's there, and then it's not there, right? Yeah. You chunk a note, you chunk a measure, you chunk a phrase, you chunk a hell, blow the chorus. Okay, great. Chorus <laughs> will come around again. You know, fuck it. What's next? Right? You, if you slay it, though, you just slay. Remember, uh, you and I were you and I together when Oscar Peterson was talking about the eighty percent thing. I, I no, it was in Toronto, and I heard Oscar talking about um how he's just trying to play what's in his head. Cause this young, it was a jazz educators thing. And mm-hmm. uh, this guy said, so Mr. Peterson, um, you know, that noise you make, cause you, you listen to Oscar, right? He's like, yeah, in the like a Keith Jarrett kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so he's like, so are you doing, what are you, you know, you, you're doing that to, so you can hear the ideas in your head. He goes, Oh yeah. Well, uh, how close do you get? And Oscar was like, and this is, he's older at this time. And he goes, ah, 85% of the notes that come in my head, I get, I'm able to get out the keyboard depending on how my arthritis feels. It might be, might be 70, you know, but the majority of the notes, yeah, I'm just playing what I'm hearing in my head. And I thought, there it is. Mm. Right? One of the greatest there's, pianists there's of all art. time. <laughs> right. Oh, he just, and he said, but you know what? If my hands are hurting, I say thank you for being there in the first place. And thanks for trying your best. Wow. And I thought, fuck, you're crying right there in the middle of the thing. It's such a beautiful thank you, hands, for being there mm. and for trying your best. Even though you're hurting. I know you're hurting, but you just, you're wow. doing a great job. You know? 
I'm a little misty about it now. Me too. I only saw him yeah. play live once and it was at the Blue Note and he was, it was, I, I don't know if he'd had a stroke or something or maybe it was his arthritis, but he was really only playing with like one hand. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, God, that must be so frustrating to have the mind that he has and the facility that he has and only be able to get that out. And that I feel like is not an abundant way of thinking. His way is, yeah. this is what's coming out. It was obviously still amazing and beautiful. Right. Um, and I, I used to get laryngitis once a year. And it's sort of like when something's taken away, then you realize what you're missing. Right. And instead of going, oh, I can't say, I should say, thank you, voice. Thank you, voice, for always being there. But Dave, I feel like well, you've yeah. always been an optimist in this way. I know you're not a perfect person. No one's perfect. but And you have a snarky <laughs> side, for sure. sure. But I do feel like your MO since I've known you has been a glass half full kind of thing. How do you keep that up with, I know you have a lot going on in your life. You've, you know, opened this, you have a ton of gigs, you've got a business and, you know, you've got some health stuff in your family. And how do you keep this mindset well, uh, I was taught as a kid, my mom was always talking about gratitude, how, you know, gratitude makes your attitude. Um, so I find for me and I, and I've, there, I, there's a, there's some resources that I've accessed that, um, like psychologically people are just happier when they're finding gratitude. Um, for the listener who doesn't know, I'm, uh, an alcoholic in recovery. Uh, 14 years and change in um, into my recovery journey. Um, and I heard old guys in my recovery program when I was coming in and gals saying, you know, I wake up every morning and I start finding things to be grateful for because, and that really resonated with me because as I drink more and more, I found more and more things to be angry about. And which mm. I think allowed me to, to drink more, right? Because if the whole world's against you, why not have that that seventy fifth drink or whatever it was? Um, well, Maybe that one will make me feel a little better. Maybe seventy six, exactly. <laughs> and I deserve it, right? But I started, uh, and I did this. I think when you and I first getting to know each other, but I, as I sank more into my uh, alcoholism, I, I found myself getting more and more negative. And um, so uh, at least nowadays I, I find, I try to find gratitude in everything. I am in the hospital right now. Literally, again, we're not on video, um, but I've got these things dangling out of my jugular vein. I know. I'm trying not to my look jugular. at it. <laughs> and it, you're looking, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it shake. Watch, uh, no. That's so weird. So, but yeah, and it hurts actually. It hurts. Uh, uh, I can't imagine. And at the same time, though, I so I could be mad that I have this thing sticking out of my neck, or I could be grateful that this morning, uh, after my second treatment, I was able to walk without my cane and without using the wall. And when I went on a power walk, I even jogged a little bit right there in the hospital. Wow. Yeah. So I could be mad that I'm not outside enjoying the snow that's outside, or I could be grateful that that even though my neck hurts, that the pain of the neck is helping me to get better to where I can have possibly a better situation than when I came in the hospital. So yeah. I could be mad that I'm in here for the holidays or I could be grateful that, um, that I don't have come January 1st, I'd have to pay my copay again. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
every every situation that I find myself in, including by the way, my brain diseases diminish my ability to play by quite a bit. Um, and so I kind of I've thought of Oscar Peterson actually a lot. And so when I play and my hands are my hand and my ear are connecting, mm-hmm. you know, I say I'm so grateful you guys are working so well together, <laughs> right? <laughs> and and when they're not. I just say, hey, thanks for trying, because that's you know, Oscar <laughs> said that, right? Yeah. But and, he, and here's the other thing, though, too. I've found as an improviser, and not that I'm not in any way, by the way, putting myself in the league with those cats. But I think the goal of every artist is just to take what's inside the song inside, if you will, <laughs> and bring it out. Right. Right. That, that's my definition of art: is we all have this abstract universe that lives in the in the back of our skull, right? And we all take well, artists anyway, take what's back there and bring it into the real world. I have this idea about this chick named Juliet and maybe <laughs> this dude named Romeo and like they'll have like <laughs> in-laws that don't get along. And then that that cat writes it down on paper. You know, that's art, right? Visual right. artists see in a block of marble you know, the Michelangelo or whatever. And we as musicians, we hear things and we bring them out. And so, but part of the impermanence of uh, of improvising is, and that is that you know how it is. You, your your brain goes. I would like your your ear says. I would like to hear this, please. <laughs> and your hand goes. Ah, we can do that, right? But sometimes the hand will give me back a message that goes. Uh, uh-uh, uh, we're not going to make that. <laughs> There's no way we're making. <laughs> Maybe like a like a one of those horses that can't. Just like, <laughs> Nope. I've seen videos. They're like, <laughs> no, it's just going to just opts out, takes takes the exit lane and goes right. It's like, no, this is not going to work. I have a question for I you. I find when I, I find myself doing that anyway all the time. I'm yeah. like, okay, uh, my hand goes, no, that we're not going to make that. So I like, okay, I'll downshift and we'll simplify it. Right. Yeah. I was just thinking about songwriting because songwriting is a way for you know it's it's more permanent because we're making choices in the moment, but then we can go back and revise or we can record them. So talk to me a little bit about your songwriting journey, because when I knew you, you know, I still know you, but when we were hanging out, you're writing a lot. And then it was a long time and now you're writing again. And I want to play a couple of those songs. So talk to me about what (laughs) surprise. Um, What's that been like getting back into songwriting for you? Well, so the whole songwriting thing to me, uh, I'll start zoomed way out and say, I personally believe that every single person has the capability of being creative. The song inside. hundred percent. Yes. Which is why I loved the love and loved past tense and love that you're doing this because every single one of us has that capacity. Uh, just for some of us, it gets drilled out really quickly. You know, uh, you watch every two year old in the world, you ask them to draw you pictures. They're going to draw and they don't F and care if it looks comparable to the thing that you told them to draw, my, I have two kids, Sam and Charlie. And when I was Mr. Mom for a while and it was great and Sam would say, daddy, let's play art. And so I would tell him to draw a picture of whatever. Right. And the better he got at drawing, the more complex the ideas I could give him. Right. But, but he never once judged. It was like, Oh, I'm so bad at drawing. I suck. No, he was like, I'm fucking awesome. And watch this. So, uh, but for a lot of us, there are not nurturing folks around to say, well, you know what? 
that's beautiful. Keep trying that. You're getting better and better every time I hear. I love it even more, right? I used to teach this family on the Upper East Side of four kids. And the littlest kid was five. And I usually don't teach kids that young. But I was just seeing all the siblings in a row. So I was like, okay. This kid was so creative. And the first time he was sitting there playing a song, I think it was about um, sunflowers. And I like called his mom and I said, you have to hear this. And the mom sat down for a second. She goes, what is this? I'm busy. And I thought, the end. (laughs) It just made me so, so sad that her kid, really, I was so pure, you know? I just want... Did the kid write the song or was he just playing a song? He he was made it up. See? On the spot. It was like he was channeling... Yes. This and it was so pure and it was so good and it's so hard to maintain that as we get older. Even if we have supportive yeah. teams around us, it's hard. So in my songwriting journey, the first song I ever wrote, I was maybe seven, eight. I don't know. I don't remember what it was. I know it was in the bass clef, right? It was on my piano. We didn't have anything else in the house. So uh, um I wrote this thing and I was taking piano lessons from this traditional conservative grumpy pants teacher, right? Um, and so she was trying to get me to read and I'm not an amazing reader now. I've forced myself to learn to be at least functionally literate with reading music, but I'm not an amazing sight reader with a notation. I can read a chart all day long, that kind of stuff all day. But, um, I'm, I've, I'm okay now, but she was trying to get me to read. And, but with people with good ears, it's hard to get us to read because by the second time I, you know, on the repeat, I'm not playing it. I'm not reading it anymore. I'm listening to my half of it's my ear. Right. Uh, if there's a D, DC Alcoda, fuck that. I'm playing my ear, right? <laughs> so, but she was trying to get me to read, and I, so which is fine. And I know now as a teacher, what she did, what she was trying to accomplish, but she did it 100% the wrong way because she said, I wrote this little song. I don't remember what it was about. And she said, I said, I wrote a song. Well, great. Let's hear it. And so I played it. And she goes, that doesn't count. What do you, oh, that is the worst thing you can say. That doesn't yeah, count. And, she, and I said, oh. I, I can really vividly go, what are you, I just played it. She goes, it only counts if it's written down. Oh my God. Now, I understand she was trying to get me to learn to read. Fair enough. But what she did instead, you guys can't see me, but I'm holding up my middle finger <laughs> as a little eight-year-old. And I was like, screw you, lady. Wow. I had enough a belief in my creative abilities, even then to go no 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 f you yeah this is what i wrote and so i did everything in my power to sabotage those lessons <laughs> after that oh my gosh i was so horrible That's so funny. And she finally quit and i was like yay f off yeah exactly right. it's funny though because then those voices uh-huh. become internalized and then it's hard to get them out sometimes so i want so i have this email from you it says first song back after a 30-ish year break you started at 92 um, it's Tina and the river. How do you feel comfortable with me playing a little bit of this or would you prefer uh, me to play I, the other I, one? No, if I can give a disclaimer and say, uh, I am, I, I have confidence in my abilities as a musician, as a singer and, and even as a songwriter, even though it's been a long time, what I don't have confidence in is my abilities as an engineer, an audio engineer, a recording engineer. Oh, same. So this is me. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's just not how my brain works i'm not a zoom in guy i'm a so matter of fact the before we did this i was talking to my friend in portland who was a wonderful 
artists like that, right? Good, great at all the musicians, uh, the you know the, the musical stuff, but he he's really good at the technical stuff. But yeah. that's just not me. But so this is me on not even Logic, which I'm now using, but this is me on GarageBand. It's very much a basic. Right. Think of but, that. Remember we had that four track cassette player. That yeah. Had a four track cassette thing. <laughs> yes. That's this. That's just pushing. Okay, but I just want to get the idea of the song. The so I'm going to okay. mute us and I'm going to I'm going to play this. If so, could she have seen there in the drying of its streams? Could she have seen a future of her So go and go quickly. Yeah, go.
I'm proud of it. That makes me happy. Yeah. yeah I, got I was thinking 30, of Oscar Peterson again, years ago. actually, because, you know, recording and using technology is also a skill. And so maybe it's not exactly how you hear it in your head. Maybe it's, you know, 70% or whatever of the way there. Yeah. But, you know, that'll continue to, to change and grow and it's impermanent. And, you know, sure. what's this, what's the context of the song? Well, I'll before I tell you that, I'll, I'll I will say this too. Um, so this reason I'm in the hospital is that I have this thing that is usually it's it's a it's an antibody which is usually a precursor to cancer. So uh, over the last since this has been happening about four years now, you know, I keep the doctors keep saying, "Look, cancer's on its way. We're pretty Oof. sure." So it's it's not a matter of if, but when. Thinking, okay, what am I going to leave behind? I mean, mm. I, so anyway, uh, I don't really care if, if it's just a sketch. I'd rather see a sketch of of an artist than nothing, right? And so if it gets to where I can develop the songs well enough, then I'll take them to my friends who are really good at that stuff, and we can do an actual recording. And I don't care if anybody ever hears it or not. Yeah. Um, I love that, Dave. So I, I went to the, the couple of museums in Spain, and, you know, they weren't, they weren't, the Goya was not caring at all about whether people <laughs> saw his paintings. He, the last 10, 12 years of his life, he drew them out in his house. They're called the black paintings. And he didn't care. He was just drawing because that's what he did. Right. You know, that's what artists do. Right. So that's, so yes, I think I'm, that's I'm, really I'm a really, works. yeah, I think it's a really fresh perspective though, because we live in the era of everyone has home studio and it can, you know, can perfect and perfect and perfect and perfect. And you listen to some of those old miles recordings and they're, they're, you know, they weren't going back and fi- they're fracking notes and oh, yeah. there's mistakes. And I think that's what reminds everybody that we're human. You know, it's not like processed to within an inch of its life and auto-tuned and all of that. And right. I think it's hard to put product out there for people's ears that quote unquote is imperfect, but it's humanizing. It's like this, is, it's everything, even if a photo is like a little speck in time, it's a little scrapbook yeah. snapshot in time. And this song started 30 years ago and like, this is its iteration now. And because it is an immediate that people can listen to, it's there. The song yeah. exists. People can do whatever they want with it. I think it's great. I'm I that's partly why I wanted to play it is that usually on here I'm playing things that have been in the studio and they're finished and they've been on the radio and yeah. I want people to know that it doesn't always have to be like that. If you have something to say, just say it. <laughs> Absolutely right. Say say to quote Sarah Barilli's, right? Uh, say what you want to say. Let the words fall out. Yes. Right? But it's a it's a, she uh, by the way, I think she's just oh, she's amazing. brilliant beyond. Yeah. She's just super bad, but that's a different issue for a different time. Yeah. So yeah, just get it down. Try your yeah. best. Just do your thing. And, and if, and 20 years from now, if somebody hears that uh, and goes, Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's, that's, and especially what I'm trying to do with that. Well, 
So here's the story on that song. You wanted me to tell you that story, right? The backstory? If you feel like it. I know it's an well, older it's, song, but. Well, so uh, I grew up in Arizona, and I would drive from Utah to Arizona to my little hometown in the mountains. Uh, it's about a 10 and a half hour, maybe 11 hour drive, depending. And I would drive through the night a lot of times because I could listen to talk radio. So I was driving. Uh, there's this brilliant comedian host named Phil Hendry, and he would just crack me up as I drive. But for whatever reason, I was listening to, I don't know exactly what I was doing, but I was coming up on the Glen Canyon Dam, which goes, we created Lake Powell, and there's a bridge that goes right by it. Um, and uh, it always has saddened me ever since uh, I had a high school teacher who said, this is a ridiculous thing from an ecological perspective. That's a bad placement for the lake. Um, but it blocks the Colorado from flowing, right? And so I'm, I'm listening, and there was this, like, I don't remember, but it was on the radio about this young woman named Tina. Uh, I, I think her last name is Isa. I'm not looking at it right now, but I'm pretty sure. And she lived in, I believe, like St. Louis or somewhere along the Missouri, right next to a river. Um, and her parents had been investigated for being, uh, were being investigated for being in a terrorist cell, the dad, right? And she was this young Muslim woman. And the dad was pretty fanatical. And so Tina did these outrageous things like, I don't know, wanted to get a job and wanted to wear Western clothes. And so they had they had recording devices in the house because they were trying to prove whether these people were uh, terrorists or not. And so uh, as I'm coming up to the bridge, I would always, because it's 3 o'clock in the morning, nobody's on the bridge, so I would always walk out to the middle of the bridge just to see the river going underneath. Um, and I'm literally pulling up within just a couple of miles of the bridge, and I hear this report, and I don't, I can't remember if they actually played the footage or not, but so she gets home one day and they say, you know, you have disgraced our family. You, you, I don't remember what she did. She, I think, tried out for a cheerleading team, if if I remember correctly. I, I don't know. And so they killed her. And they captured, it was captured on the oh FBI's my, audio. That is not where I thought that was going. No, the mom, oh my the God. mom held her. The mom uh, held uh, her and the dad with a knife. Uh, no, no. Killed no, her. Say no more. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay. Oh, God. And, well, here's the thing, too, is that... The, <sighs> The mom who kept saying, just go quickly, go, go quickly, go, my girl. Oh, you know? God. Oh, it God. Such a... And so I pulled up and this, you know, I'm just crying like a fucking idiot. I'm just not. Oh, my just How could little... you not be? Yeah. So I, I, I walked out to the center of the bridge, with tears on my eyes. I'm looking down at the damn river and it just slapped me. It was like, that's the same thing. <sighs> it's the same thing. They're, they're desire to control a, a woman that should be young and wild and free and full of life and should be able to meander like a river wherever it needs to go or she needed to go. It was that, that uh, forgive me, but the patriarchy in a literal yeah. sense, right? Yeah. That blocked the river, right? And it was the patriarchy that blocked her. Yeah. Ultimately, they, and so that's what the bridge says, you know, you can throw yourself into the river and Try to run away. I, I might be getting it backwards, but um, give yourself up to your sister because I thought they were kind of soul sisters. Yeah. The river. Oh, I love it's beautiful. Another day. What a, a beautiful and tragic inspiration for a song. But it's a story. Again, I was just looking at that card that says impermanence, but 
I didn't know that story. And so like she's living on in a way through the music. You've helped keep that alive too, you know? That that's that's the goal. I want to honor her and um yeah. So yeah, give yourself up to the river, survive another day. You can throw yourself into the river in an attempt to flee, but that which carved the canyon no longer makes it to the sea. Because in my mind, I was like, what if she could have, if I could go back in time, mm-hmm. right, and say, this is what's waiting for you if you go home. You know, in my mind, she was like a Tom Sawyer. She could just yeah. throw herself into the yeah. river and and float away, right? Yeah. Uh, but like, in, because she was next to, I think, the Missouri or the Mississippi, yeah. she could, she could, like Tom Sawyer, right. just get away. But if she was next to the Colorado... It, she wouldn't make it because there's so many literal dams yeah. in the way. So your wow, keyboard that's... is getting played by your cat. By yes, I know. My cat's like, this is all very deep. Can <laughs> Let me just sit on the keyboard and play the keys. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I, I hope I, I mean, I hope I struck a balance between, um, I don't, I don't necessarily want it to be this dark thing unless you know the backstory and then it, it well is, right but i, I think but i don't want to say that it's dark and i don't I, no no i way, it's i guess this is what we were talking about before is how you know you art comes from many different places like this was the inspiration for a piece of art that it's not sad it's a beautiful song and the image of the river is is beautiful and, and as an artist sometimes it's not necessarily your job to judge what's coming out it's like this right. is how this story is coming out and i'm going to make it People can interpret it however they like, and you know, I want to. Um, before you have to go because I don't know what time you have to go, I want to do your other song. How do you pronounce this? Shafili, Shafilia, I think this is a this is uh, I think I'm gonna do a whole album, a concept album about this honor killings. She was a young woman, same kind of story, so um, she was a poet, she was uh brilliant from what her friends say, just funny as can be. Uh, there isn't a recording of her getting silenced, but uh, yeah. So I, again, putting myself in that mentality of if I could go back yeah, and warn her, right? Um, so having said that, if I didn't say that, it sounds like a super happy song, right? Right. <laughs> like, live your life, have fun. But what I really <laughs> was trying to say is if I could go back and be like, yeah, live your life, get the hell away from, don't go home. Yeah, yeah. I like the idea of this concept album. Um, That's all I want to say about it for the moment. But let's listen to Shephelia. Okay. What if you knew that the day was your last day? Where would you go? What would you do? What would you say? Who would you say goodbye to? Who would you say hello to? What chances would you take? So what if you knew that the day was your last day? But you could choose not to obey or do what they say. What would you say goodbye to? You could just say hello to The chance to live a life you make Live life your way So laugh and laugh Fill your lungs Run away Live life your way Pull up your sleeves Just for you Cause you're okay 
tomorrow may not arrive So live your life while alive Shout out loud what you wanted to say Live life your way What if you knew that today was the last day So you could choose not to go home or go your own way If you can try to run to the idea that you can undo A life of doing things their way Live life your way Laugh and laugh to fill your lungs Run away You're okay Tomorrow may not arrive So live your life while alive And shout out loud what you wanted to say And live life your way You've played the bright poetic role You'll need to break from their control And superstitious mind But may they never find A final way to break your soul So laugh and laugh Fill your lungs Run away Roll up your sleeves Just be you Cause you're okay Tomorrow may not arrive So live your life while alive And shout out loud what you wanted to say You live life your way Laugh and laugh, fill your lungs Run away, roll up your sleeves Just be you, cause you're okay Tomorrow may not arrive So live your life while alive And shout out loud what you wanted to say That song made me cry. Yeah, I wondered if that was going on. It's beautiful. Uh, It's an anthem, really. And I feel like you and I have taken that anthem to heart, too, because we've come from systems that, you know, are oppressive in different ways. And we've chosen to be brave and live live our own way. Hi, Charlie. You know, everybody. (laughs) So for those who are just joining us, uh, (laughs) uh, my son, Charlie. Just got here, and my wife Midge. Hi, Midge. So our our guy Charlie, uh, Charlie goes to the Utah Autism Academy, and he is on the severe side of the spectrum, and he is a wonderful human being. This guy, I love his smile so much. I know he can't hear me right now, but I just want him to know how much I love him and I love Midge. Uh, so we're gonna we're best. gonna sign off. I really want to end on that song because love the message, and I. I this thing of impermanence and just putting your art out there, living life your way. I 
I don't know. It really helped me today. <laughs> you always help me. Well, oh. no, how about that? But I love you. I love you so You've much, been, Dave. One, and still are one of my dearest friends for, what, 30-something years now. So, yeah. It's... Uh, I now you're probably not gonna like this. I guess you can edit it out if you want to. But care. you, I respect like a billion percent. You're you're not just. Uh, I mean, as an artist, I I just dig dig the way you do at what you do. Right? You are obviously a fine player in general, but I like that you have millions yourself, where you can be a lot of different roles, a lot of different hats. You know, as an artist, I love it. Not just as a as a straight ahead, oh, I'm gonna play jazz piano stuff, but um, but as a writer too, you know what I mean? That's you, that's been fun to watch. So, and I, of course, I watch your personal life too because we're dear friends, and um, it's been been fun to watch you own your life, and yeah, just to 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 own your past, uh, and embrace the past, but also choose which parts of that past you want to allow still to be in your life. That is living your life your way. And I think that's what all of us have to do ultimately. So yes. uh, it's been a beautiful thing to watch. Thank you. I love oh, you. I'm going to go you spend too. time with my family. Okay. They brought, they brought me a base. So now I'm happy. Awesome. And Mirabel just texted me cause she's homesick today. It's snowing. Oh, so it's first nice. snow of the year. I'm going to go enjoy it. Right on sister. Love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye. And for those listening, I want to thank Dave so much for giving so freely of himself. I know this one got a little personal. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like, you know, just chatting with an old friend because that's what's happening. But I love Dave's spirit and I love the joy with which he, you know, does everything in his life. Um, if you're struggling out there, hang in there. It's, it's going to be okay. This isn't forever. Um, as I drift away from <laughs> bad times, I can take comfort in knowing that I will leave them behind. So take that with you today. Um, live life your way and I'll see you next time on the song inside. <laughs>